Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today, I have with me uh, a man near and dear to my heart, Justin Roberts. Justin, how you doing? I'm good. And yourself? Good. Uh, Justin's with Buffalo Construction, and rather than uh, I introduce my him him and uh, he, I'll let him introduce himself and introduce his company. So, Justin, tell us about yourself and tell us about Buffalo. Yeah, no, absolutely. Scott, thanks for, for having me. Um, first and foremost, if anybody wants to pass any judgment on me, I am a student of Scott's. So, um, you know, I am uh, a product of Scott. So this is uh, it's kind of interesting going from the classroom decades ago and uh, now in the construction world. But um, after I graduated Eastern Kentucky uh, Construction Management Program, uh, got into more industrial manufacturing, went and worked with uh, Gray Construction. Uh, did that for about eight, nine years. Uh, after that, uh, traveled around a lot, came back home to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, joined a smaller local firm, got into more commercial, uh, heavy commercial hotels, uh, multifamily, and then uh, joined the Buffalo team uh, when they needed help in that sector. And uh, Right now, I'm our director of uh, pre-construction business development uh, on the kind of hotel, hospitality, multifamily, student housing side. So that's so kind of tell my us about, background. Are you from Louisville? I am. I am. Okay. I, I, I knew there was something wrong with you. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I knew there was. But uh, let me ask you, are you a UK fan or a Cardinal fan? Oh, cards, baby. You got season tickets. Come on. <laughs> well. Well, I mean, everyone's got a root for somebody, whether they're winner or loser, you know. So that's we'll right. That's so, right. <laughs> so, um, um, so let, tell us about Buffalo uh, real quick. Uh, um, I know you haven't been with them uh, for a really long time, but I know you had a you jumped in knee deep. Yeah. So uh, knew a bunch of the guys here at Buffalo previously, um, actually through my gym, but uh, joined about a year and a half ago. Um, Buffalo got their start uh, about 25 years ago through Texas Roadhouse. Uh, they were the in-house construction company for Texas Roadhouse. They built all their own stores. Uh, no franchisee was allowed to build their own. The brand built it to keep it consistent. Uh, once uh, Roadhouse went public, obviously they had to split apart and uh, Buffalo Construction was, was founded and Texas Roadhouse wasn't the only uh, restaurant we were doing. So we started getting into all the fast casual restaurants. Um, what that did was it allowed Buffalo to expand their footprint. So based here in Louisville, Kentucky, but does did at the time very little work here locally. Most of their work was in all the major cities across the U.S. Um, now our main accounts are still Texas Roadhouse, Chick-fil-A, Love's Travel Stations, Circle K, um, and now into the uh, hotels, uh, student housing. So uh, kind of took that, um, the core, our core values, our uh, business model from the Texas Roadhouse way of doing things, and um, just kind of expanded on that and have grown throughout the years. So Buffalo is now a uh, probably one of the top um, commercial construction companies here locally uh, for, for, those, for those sectors. So tell us about Roman. <laughs> so Roman is our mascot. He, uh, we actually have a uh, Buffalo mascot. Uh, if the interns act up on site, they get to dress up as Roman for the day. And uh, it is not, <laughs> it is a hot, it is a hot, hot suit. So whenever we uh, have some PR needs or, or marketing needs, we uh, bust out Roman and he is our, uh, our mascot, because our CEO, Scott Greger, didn't want his name on everything. So whenever we sign letters or uh, make posts in the public PR, it's done by Roman, who is uh, represents our company as a whole and all of our people. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of funny. I cracked up when uh, uh, when I, I at first somebody told me, yeah, talk to Roman. And I was like and then I went on the website and I saw there was no there's a picture of 
the buffalo, you know? And I was like, well, maybe this is a person because it's listed as a founder. So I thought that was kind of hilarious. So Definitely um, different. Uh, I heard you guys get phone calls from Roman. We do. We do. Sales guys, you know if they're serious or not, whether or not they call and ask for somebody by name or they ask for Roman. You know, they ask for Roman. <laughs> we, got a, we got a voicemail account just for them. So. Oh, my gosh. That's great. That's great. So, um, so uh, what do you, you know, in, in for Buffalo, what significant events, you know, have have you been made aware of that have kind of changed the business model and then the past and the future? You mentioned one, that's when, uh, you know, Texas Roadhouse went public, um, you know, kind of expand upon any other events you think. Um, and you probably guys have some pretty significant events happening right now from what I hear. We do. We do. So, you know, there's, there's a, as with any growth of any company or any individual, there's always significant events along the way. I would say, you know, Back uh, 25, up to about 15 years ago, it was uh, our owner and CEO, Scott Greger. He was the project manager. He was the head accountant. He was the executioner. He was the lead super, field quality control, business development. He wore all the hats. And then it got to a point um, in growth, and I would say that's probably right around the time of the recession, uh, to where that wasn't feasible anymore. The company had just gotten too big. Um, mm -hmm. So since then, he's actually put in place a leadership team. We've uh, put together an actual vision, not just go, 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 build as fast as we can, as good as we can, and keep our clients happy. It was actually, let's put some thought behind this on how we can grow our business, how we can build better, what how we can keep our clients happy and you know, Roadhouse, Chick-fil-A, Loves, those guys have been clients for, for decades, you know, and that doesn't happen by accident. Um, the, um, I think the, the, one of the turning points um, would be, and Scott will be the first one to tell you, uh, you know, he got sober and he went through his sobriety stuff and he found kind of EOS models, uh, the EOS system. He found that if he invested in his people more, uh, that that would return a tenfold back as if you just work harder. And uh, I think at that point, you know, Buffalo went through, let's see how big we can get. And we chased, you know, text, not only Texas Roadhouses and Chick-fil-A's, we were doing, you know, build outs for Chipotle or doing, uh, you know, all these real small TI fast casual jobs um, trying to grow our company. And then we quickly realized that, you know, our, we're doing 200 plus million dollars a year, but our average project size is a million dollars. There's something wrong, something wrong there. We're, you know, so, so at that point we made a conscious effort as a, as a company to increase our project size, increase our, um, just kind of the markets that we focus in, you know, we were so focused on the food and beverage part of the, um, uh, of commercial construction, then we got into the fuel sector, and then we got into the hospitality sector. So we kind of diversified what we're good at and what we're known for. Um, through all of that leadership team coming around, um, you know, focusing more on our people, uh, bringing in the right people as well has a big thing to do with it. You know, company didn't have core values. You know, we didn't know what our our core values and our, our purpose statement is our, our why, you know, why we're here, why we, why do we do what we do every day? And, you know, it's, uh, we call it our herd. Why, you know, we are the herd. We're Roman. We're the Buffalo. We're the, you're a teammate of the herd. And it's our, our why is to leave a prosperous impact uh, on the relationships, people and the communities we serve because we are all over the country. And that's our why, you know, if we follow that and keep that uh, at the forefront, you don't lose sight of why we do what we do every day. You know, it's very easy to come into work and get bogged down in the details. And, uh, but if you kind of keep that, I've got it posted right here above my computer screens. I see it every day. Um, and then we got our, our four core values, you know, continuous improvement, commitment, compassion, and celebration, you know, uh, continuous improvement, stay hungry. You know, we're always wanting to do better. Um, you know, if you get complacent, you know, complacency is, on your way out, you know, if you, if you get complacent, you're, you're going to be left behind. Um, and our commitment 
and we've done this on a lot of projects. Um, you know, we may not make money because we have to do the right thing. We're committed to making sure we're doing the right thing. And if you do the right thing, you know, that pays itself. That comes back around in other ways and not just, you know, financially and monetarily. Uh, compassion, compare about others and live it or uh, care about others and live it. You know, I think that goes to the uh, caring about our people, making sure our people enjoy their workspace. Uh, Scott, you've been to our office. <laughs> you know how much there's more areas to play and hang out and and uh, <laughs> sure. go, go down the slide or go putt putt or play ping pong or pool or whatever it may be. But, you know, be compassionate about your, your teammates and make sure we have a, a good environment for everybody. And in celebration. Honor, recognize, and appreciate. You know, when people do a good job, everybody likes a good pat on the back. And I think when once we got our our core values and figured out what those are, uh, our purpose statement, our why, um, you know, everything else started kind of falling in place, and you can kind of build out from there. Um, so I think that was probably, you know, past events. The biggest one would be, you know, putting the focus on our people. Let's get our, our, our structure in place, uh, the right people in the right chair uh, so that you can you can build on that and build on it the correct way and not just go as fast as you can. Let, let me ask you, and I know EOS because uh, I, you know, that's something that we, we utilize too. a lot of great principles. You mentioned a lot of them. Right person, right seat, core values, mission and vision statements, those things. And you guys. Uh, you guys really believe in it. I was really impressed when I actually came into you guys' office and, and saw, I mean, the, some of the things that you guys do, uh, personality profiles, those type of things. And, you know, from, from our background, uh, working in, you know, working in construction that didn't have that stuff, it's kind of a little shock to your system a little bit um, when you come <laughs> into there. And I, and I know me and you have had this discussion about that too. It's, it's, it was hard for me at first because it seems, really kind of touchy-feely at first, you know? Um, yep. But uh, what, can you tell us about what, what your thoughts are sur surrounding that? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I started uh, in the construction industry probably in middle school, I think. I was probably working for my uncle, built homes here in Louisville. Um, and I'll never forget it. He, uh, We're in the truck. He picked me up because I couldn't even drive. So he picked me up, take me to the job sites, and I'd work. Before we got out on the first day, he said, Justin, I'll let you know there's no place for feelings on a job site. So leave them in the truck. Don't take them with you. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I had that mentality for a long, long time. And I got here and I'm like, wait a minute. There is room for that. It's okay. You know, it's you've got people from all walks of life. You have to care about their feelings. If you don't care about them, they're going to be miserable. You know, they're not going to and then they're not going to perform at work. Just and they're not going to perform at home. And that's a good way to lose uh, your teammates. And um, it was um, uh, a challenge for me. Uh, I am a very aggressive uh, type A person and let's go get it, let's get it done. But to be able to step back and say, you know, let me, let me think about this from a different point of view uh, was a challenge. And when I came to Buffalo, it started with uh, our onboarding. You know, we wanna make sure that all our employees have a great onboarding experience and they get to see the company top to bottom for a whole week. When you come here and you start, you don't do any work for a week. You are here, you're listening to speakers, most all from here in our company, some outside. Um, you're getting a high level overview of every department and their functions and who does what and where's, you know, if you have a question on uh, Procore, if you have a question on uh, accounting or if you have a question on human resources, where do you go to find all that? You know, who's, who are the people that are important and, and where can you go? And then we implemented a uh, thing called the UMAPS and it's uh, one sheet and it's uh, mine's posted outside my office and it two thirds of it is about you as a person. It's um, what's important to you. Um, and then the other third of it is professional you know, your professional goals, your stuff like that. But the, the, the focus of it is about you as a person, you know, what's your family, you know, who's important to you? Um, what are your personal goals, near-term, long-term, 
Uh, what's your favorite snack? What's your favorite drink? What's your favorite uh, activity? You know, all the stuff that makes you you, those are the first things we go over. So we bring in some of our current teammates. Uh, they go over their UMAPs and present to the uh, our new new teammates through onboarding. Uh, Scott Greger makes it a point to always be there and go through his. Uh, and it's powerful. You know, you get you get people to break down their barriers immediately on the first day uh, of starting a new job. So it's like I'm sure it's overwhelming for a lot of people. But and we've actually had some people walk out. I had somebody on the first day, second day did not show up. They said. <laughs> uh, there's too many, too, too, you're too worried about uh, uh, people and feelings and I just want to come to work and I don't want to know my coworkers. Well, you know what? You're not, you're not, you're not meant to be here. You're not, there's not a right here chair for you. So, um, you know, we take a, take it seriously. We want to know who we, who we're working with, what makes them tick, um, who they are. You know, we also do uh, the predictive analysis or predictive index uh, personality uh, tests on people to understand, you know, are you uh, a more independent or are you more social or are you more precise person and how, how you, you think and operate and we'll use that information and pair our teams together. You know, if you have two people, they're going to butt heads um, because they're just two type A dominant personalities. Well, it probably doesn't make sense to put them on a project team together. You know, you can, you can mix personalities that best, uh, combine and, 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 and work together to get really get the best results. So put a lot of focus on um, who our team, who our teammates are as people uh, before we get into, you know, capabilities and, you know, what their strengths are on the work side. So um, I think that really goes to show, you know, look, I'm just kind of glancing around our office, you know, just the people that we have, you know, we've got a good group of people that are eager to help one another out, be collaborative. And um, it, it goes a long way. Well, it's funny how like, how much things have kind of changed a little bit. And I kind of, uh, and uh, Justin, I won't put you in the category of, of younger people anymore. I mean, uh, you know, based, number one, based on how you look, and number, number two, based on how long you've been in the construction industry. But, um, you know, Younger than you, though. Yeah, I know. It, <laughs> yes, and I, I, guess I'm, I guess I'm the old guy at this point. But uh, uh, the, 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 the fact is that younger people don't want to just work someplace. They want to make a significant impact, you know? And that's a hard thing because, I mean, I grew up where you went to work and even though even though you liked it or didn't like it, you went to work to make money and provide for your family. But it's much more than that today. And uh, I hear it all the time. You know, if you want to attract and keep people, you got to have a good culture. Um, yeah. So, so and and I know because I've been in there. You guys definitely do have a good culture. I, I was on your website and I I looked at I'm looking at a couple of your people. You guys have some creative titles here. And I wonder what this title is. What is a, a culture curator? Culture curator. So uh, you're, you're, you segued right into it. It's perfect. So uh, Addie is our culture curator. And she is, uh, her number one really responsibility is that onboarding. You know, when people come on board, she sets the tone of, you know, this is who we are. This is what we're about. Um, you know, for... Uh, for instance, when I started, um, my fiance, uh, she at the time was my, was my girlfriend. She lived in Nashville. She was remote. And when I accepted, uh, the position with Buffalo, uh, this person who I'm ne had never met, uh, asked me, you know, for my girlfriend's, uh, address, mailing address. And they sent her. And you said, for what? <laughs> I, know, I was a little hesitant at first. I was like, oh, we need to, I need to filter this out first. But uh, they sent her a dozen roses and told her that she's part of the team too. And we can't wait to have her and meet her. Who, who does that? You know, that, that, that is, that is insane. And that is a testament to show like we do, you know, people here care and they want you to be, uh, you know, you spend more time at work than you do with your own family most times. And, shoot, you better like them, you know, and you better um, uh, have good relationships and strong ties because 
things will go wrong. You, there will be hard days. And, you know, if you enjoy and trust and rely on the people around you uh, because of that culture that you're talking about and that culture curator has helped establish, um, you know, the, the opportunities and the possibilities are endless. Uh, that's it. You know, that's so interesting because it's, 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 <laughs> if you told me this is where we would be 20 years ago, I'd say you're crazy, you know? <laughs> so, but, uh, but it, it, it's been true, proven effective. I mean, it really, it really has. It's a, it's a way to run an organization. That's for sure. Cause people, people care a lot less what you say and a lot more what you do. And those are, those actions are important. You know, um, it's kind of like your kids, you know, when I'm dead and gone, my kids are remembering me for, hopefully for the good things, you know, but, uh, yeah. uh so, um, you kind of went into the whole, you know, talking about your guys' business model. You mentioned something that would interest me. You, you guys had been doing projects on one million dollar shots, and you're kind of mixing up a little bit, or you're focusing on different things. Can you kind of tell me the the idea that what's an ideal client for you guys now? Yeah, yeah great question. You know, the the ideal client now is not um, how much work on your pipeline. It's not, um, you know, can we be the most profitable job in the world? You know, we're general contractors. We, we claw, we fight, and we struggle to make 3%, right? 4% on large projects. It's, it's tough. Um, you know, if, uh, if I could die and come back, I would not come back as a general contractor. I'd go to a different, different industry where I could make 200% on products like, uh, like Apple does <laughs> or, uh, anybody, any tech firm, but you know, the, the ideal client for us is, is based on relationships. It's, it's all about, um, is this somebody that, you know, if I'm in trouble or if they're in trouble, uh, cause things will go wrong on projects, you know, can we rely on one another and get through this and be fair with one another? And, you know, that goes to show with, you know, our, our core clients, you know, Chick-fil-A, Texas Roadhouse, Love's Travel Stations, Circle K. You know, a lot of those are negotiated. Darden Restaurants, we do a lot for them. Um, and repeat clients in the hotel industry. You know, I've got, um, you know, uh, real estate funds that are going to build 10 hotels over the next two years. And they just want to call one person. And they appreciate those relationships and the fact that they understand how we operate and what's important to us because they share the same core values. And, and I think that that is where we look for, you know, if we're going to somebody that's cold, doesn't want to build a relationship, doesn't want to uh, get to know one another. They just want the dirt bottom cheapest number possible. That's not, that's not who we want to build with. Well, you know, that's so, so short sighted, you know, I mean, it's a, uh, I always say, uh, you have you have friends for many things, but one of the reasons you have friends is when you get in trouble, you need a friend. <laughs> you know? yep. And yep. and we get in trouble in construction all the time, you know. Yes, so, we do. Yes, we and, do. And, and, and a lot of said, <laughs> I know. And you said one other thing that reminded me: we're gonna have issues. That's just that's a that's given. I mean, especially when you build something. I mean, you can't build a building, or we can't build a facility, or can't do any construction without having some issues. Right. But it's how you deal with them that counts. It doesn't matter if you have them or not, you know. And I know right. that's something talking with Scott and talking with others there, Brett and others there, that's, uh, you know, that's a key tenant of how you guys do business, Eric and Brett and Scott and and and, the, and pretty much everybody there. It's about how you address those issues. And because uh, people want to be heard and people want to – what I mean by being heard is – some action on your statement, not just right. a statement. Right. Right. So, no, um, what, you know, how, you know, you mentioned EOS, you guys kind of use your EOS model. I, how are you guys focusing on the future? What's your guys' plans, you know, in short term, five or 10 years long term to do with your guys' organization? So, um, you know, it, it's uh, August 12th. Um, we're about to here in about three or four weeks, we'll do our annual deep dive. Um, we get all the department heads together. We get our, 
uh, from you know CEOs, CFOs, COOs, and then all of our directors, seniors, and even bring in some of our uh, project management staff or uh, superintendents to give their you know input as well. But we do an annual deep dive. Um, we we touch base on where we were for a little bit. It's been a little time. What we what we were last year. Did we meet our goals? Where we want to go next year? And what do we look for? What do we look at five years from now? You know, what what does Buffalo look like in five years? And um, so we did that last October, and we're about to do it again here. We're actually all kind of putting our pieces of the pie together so that we're prepared for that. Um, and I think it's really going to come down to um, you know taking care of our core core departments, core clients. You know, the ones I keep talking about: Roadhouse, Chick Fil A, Loves, making sure. Those those accounts are strong. Teams are strong. Um, they're not overloaded. They've got a little bit of capacity at all times. You know, we put a work kind of diving off. We put a work factor load on a PM of a one, and every job gets a gets a workload factor. So, uh, Texas Roadhouse gets a point three three. So I know that a PM can run three of them and be right out of at a one, and that's his max. You can't give him any more, or else he's in the red and he's gonna just tap out on you and it, it, it can happen. And we like everybody to be like a 0.8. You know, if we get everybody like a 0 0.8, 0 0.9, you know, they're not completely slammed, but they got a good solid workload. Um, you know, that's how we like to plan and build our team. So, you know, the thing about our core clients, they kind of tell you what projects are coming a year from now because they do the same thing. They're projecting mm -hmm. out how many builds they're going to have. Uh, so you can kind of get a pretty good game plan. Um, so, making sure our core business is, is strong. That's our first, you know, real step into uh, going into the future. Um, the next side of it is the kind of secondary core markets. Um, hospitality being one of them. We're four or five years into it. Uh, we're fairly new. Uh, and that's where my background, my last place came from. So my job, another guy that came on as well, and our goal is to really build that out. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, Buffalo is is one of our one of the things that we want to improve on is our ability to build here locally. You know, we have we're all over the country, and a Louisville, Kentucky general contractor, highest revenue states, California. Well let's build our own backyard. So we want to expand our local design build efforts. Um, that's kind of my background. We want to build out our design teams uh, to make us a more of a one-stop shop that way. Um, the other one is to, you know, go after those large multifamily jobs, go after those large hotels, uh, not just the ones off the side of the interstate, but also the ones in an urban setting that, you know, may categorize as a high rise. So, you know, the project diversity is where we really want to uh, expand and grow over the next five years. Um, you know, our five-year goal right now, uh, we want to pretty much grow 10 to 20% every year. Um, we'll probably push over to, we'll finish this year right around 230 million uh, total revenue. And, um, you know, our five-year goal is to be a 325. Um, and obviously you want to, Make sure that's done correctly, the right, uh, the right way, the right mix of projects, um, making a good fee, making sure that we have the right team in place to handle that work. Um, you almost hire a bunch of people to do it, um, and you never know. You know, when you hire from outside, you don't know what you're going to get. So it leads to the next thing, and that's the people um, to do all of that. One big, big effort that we've made here. Um, is really, really building out our, our younger teammates. Um, you know, Buffalo, at the thought of an intern five years ago had never come across Buffalo Construction. Uh, we had five this last year and had some phenomenal interns, guys that just knocked, guys and girls that knocked it out of the park. Um, a couple of them actually signed offer letters before they went back to school for their semester. For their next two semesters or senior year, they're going to come on as full employees. Um, that goes to speak to our culture. You know, that goes to speak to the experiences they had. But if you can grow organically with people that start out uh, out of college or out of trade school or wherever it comes from, 
start with you and a young um, and learn, then, you know, learn how to build on site first, learn how we operate as a business and grow organically. That's the best recipe, you know, and that's how we'll grow um, as a company to meet our, our financial goals, our uh, core value goals, uh, and really complete our, our purpose statement. So, well, and I think it's, I was talking to Scott one day and he was telling me, Scott Gregor, which is your as president, yep. which you know, but my listeners don't. So, um, he was telling me that, you know, he, he, we were laughing about how, like, you know, in the past we did business and how we're doing business now using some of the EOS principles and stuff like that. And, uh, Scott says, he goes, well, we did 200 million without having any of this stuff. So I guess when we have this stuff, we should do much better. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I thought there's a lot to be said for 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 that, and uh, the fact that you guys like assess projects and don't just, hey, I got a project and I'm gonna throw it to somebody, and you, uh, that is that is such like a a huge thing because because you and I know that if you're a good PM, you'll continue to get loaded and loaded and loaded down until you are basically until you start messing up, you know, because you can't do anymore. Um, or you quit and go somewhere else. And the fact that you guys consciously, you know, think about those things as projects come in is pretty significant. And it, it probably, it's kind of a, uh, a something that more people I think need to do. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, um, we meet our, our, all of our department heads and all of our leadership team, we meet uh, weekly. And we look at our forecast. You know, a lot of our projects are 12 weeks to 20 week time frames. They're a lot. They're very fast and very fast paced. A lot of our, you know, construction pro or uh, hotel projects, you know, those are more pushing towards a year, year plus. It's a little different on on the different markets that we're in, sectors that we're in, but we're always loading up our forecast based on concept, and we assign a project manager. Um, for the estimate, not just when it goes to contract and ready to be built, we sign them to the estimate up front so that they're involved in the pre-construction phase. And there's a workload assigned with that. Um, we sign a superintendent. You know, we know where he's going to be and where he's at. And it all filters down to the bottom. And everybody has a row, whether they're superintendent or a project manager. And you can see that, hey, I've got Scott here as a project manager. And right now he's only got two jobs. He shouldn't be that bad. But I've got them assigned in February of 2022 to another start that I know is coming. And he's in the red in March and April because he's got two jobs closing out and one starting up that he's trying to buy out. He's overloaded. That doesn't work. So we can see that from a, a planning purpose. And we're very, very intentional, very, very methodical about it, very conscious of people's workloads. Do we get it right every time? Absolutely not. You know, does do projects come in from are great customers that we just can't say no to? Yes. And do we have to pony up sometimes and just go do it? Absolutely. That's a good problem to have. But at least we know and we can address it and talk to our employees about it, our teammates, and, and say, hey, I know this is going to be a rough couple of months. Are, are you okay with that? You know, and if not, let me know and we'll, we'll find a different route. You know, but let's talk about it first and make sure that, you know, you're, A, you can handle it. B, you know, do you need an extra project coordinator? Do you need an extra APM or a project engineer? You know, what can we do to help, you know, dilute some of that workload and help you out? So uh, it lets us have those conversations um, and and know that what we're getting into before we get before we get there. And it's too late and you lose somebody, just like you said. And, and you know what, and, and I hate to say it, but more times than not, as general contractors, we probably lose people uh, because just we just put too much on their shoulders and we're terrible in construction about that because and i know some people are going to say i'm touchy feeling and anybody who knows me knows that's not the case but uh the fact that you you that you know people you, you consider people in the factor and i also think it's not short-sighted because uh i mean what's the number one way projects fail and that's because there's not enough tension you know given to them especially from the management staff. So um, that's, that's good. It's kind of moving on from that. Um, let's talk about you as an ind individual a little bit here, which is scary. Oh, Lord. Okay. Yeah, you know, is, but, is. Chartered waters there. Let's really get but, into it. But, but, but you have some, uh, 
yeah, I mean, you know, and and Justin, I won't, I'll say this without your head getting big because first of all, you know, if you don't know Justin, um, there's not much hair there, and if it gets any bigger, you know, I mean, we may have to we may have to dull the glare, you know. So, my in-laws, uh, my in-laws call me Chrome Dome. <laughs> there's a new, there's a new nickname for you. <laughs> so so uh, tell me about personally and professionally some of your failures and some of your successes you've had in your career because obviously we learn from failures or you can call them learning experiences, but we also learn from successes too. And I just want to know personally what is some of the things that you have gathered along the way that, that have helped you? Uh, great question. The um, I would I would say on the successes and failures, successes probably – um, I'll lead this in with a, a quick story. Uh, I graduated in what May 2009, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, there were no construction jobs in May 2009. There, there, there just weren't. You're a new graduate. You had an internship for experience. There are very little jobs out there. I got an offer from a heavy civil contractor down in Florida, and that was the only one I had. Was after I graduated, I said, "Yep, I'll take it. I'm moving to Orlando," and that was uh, what I was doing. I was on the road, uh, driving down there, going to pick out an apartment, sign my papers, and my first employer called, uh, Gray Construction. They called, and uh, I ended up turning around and went to Gray. Best success ever. Um, I can't say enough good things about that company, the people, the leadership. The Gray family, uh, not just the people with the last name Gray, the entire Gray family. Um, Learned a lot about culture, uh, learned a lot about um, how you have to be deliberate and meaning there, meaningful there in in what you do, Uh, but also learned a lot about large projects, large teams. I mean, we were doing. I don't know. My last project when I left was right around 100 million. <clears throat> I was a I was a PM at 29 years old, 31 years old, however old I was, something like that. And um, you know, that experience was invaluable. I think that goes to a lot of what I'm doing now uh, is being able to put together teams. You know, when I got to Buffalo, um, a, a a Texas Roadhouse that's built in four months does not have a lot of overhead or GC room for more than one project manager. So Buffalo didn't know what a assistant PM was. They didn't know what a project engineer was. I've hired four assistant PMs in the last six months and I'm hiring project engineers faster than I can uh, imagine just because we have that right project mix now. Um, and, and what I've, I guess what I've got, what I've learned from, from Gray uh, through and through is just was invaluable. And it's made me uh, a better leader in my current position to see how I was led then, you know, learning from example there, um, I think goes to show, you know, I've had uh, people follow me from place to place. And I guess I go to show I'm doing something right, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but uh, I, I attribute that to Gray, Gray Construction. Um Failures. Well, it's funny. It's funny about Gray. gray uh, how many people in Kentucky and construction are tied to Gray ultimately? Oh, you know? it's incestual. Like, like <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like Tommy Gum, and you know, I mean, I go through people, and I just think, gosh, it, it seems like everything leads back to Gray's, you know, steps. You know. Yeah, you know, and and their their core value, and they had core values before that was a thing. You know, 15 years ago, I was the core values were beat into me. We started every meeting talking about the core values. Uh, you know, and that, that, uh, you're probably you're thinking what a big waste. Yeah. Yeah. At the time when I was out of college, like, <laughs> why are you this every time like, this is stupid. Let's just get to work. Let's get to the point. But no, it, it, it matters. You know, that stuff matters. And they were doing it way before everybody else was. And, and that just goes to show you how, how great that company is, uh, and the people, people inside of it. Um, you know, back to your, your question on, on things that I've learned from in my career that have made me, you know, I'll, I'll never forget uh, uh, my first estimating miss on a project that got submitted. I think I was like, I don't even remember. It was like 
something to do with the roof. I don't know, it was roofing, something to do with roofing. And I had like a $30,000 bust and we lost $30,000 off the top. And I'm like, they're only paying me 45 a year. Like, I'm done. Like, this is it. Like, this is, this is the end of my job. And uh, I'll never forget the, the learning more from that, from the project manager that I was working with, the superintendent, site manager that I was working with, and making sure I understood, you know, why I made the mistake, how it was, um, you know, what the impact of it was, but not more importantly, how to recoup it. And we ended up recouping it through the job and it ended up being all right. But at the time, you know, it was uh, one of those things where like, oh, this is, this is it. I'm going to get fired, you know, but they, uh, they, they took it upon themselves to make it a teaching point, you know, and it was uh, the value of it was as much as, if not more where I think I was making at the time. So, um, you know, I think that all of those experiences on how people mentored and taught me, whether I was succeeding or failing, because uh, we all do it, um, really, really turned me into who I am today and created what I am and try and, try and relive that and try and uh, replicate that every day here. So, You know what's interesting is that when I ask that question to people on the podcast or in general, it seems like uh, failures or learning experiences, however you want to categorize them, it just seems like uh, that's that place holds a place in your mind so much more than any successes, you know? Oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. uh, but, uh, but, uh, well, um, I want to give you, before we go into our speed round, I want to go to uh, any personal advice you'd give to anybody who's aspiring to an executive level position, who's aspiring to get in the construction industry. What kind of personal and professional advice could you give to somebody um, like that? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm running into this here, you know, speaking to people trying to get into the industry or, or new starting out, um, you know, my most valuable, uh, times and learning moments in construction were in the field. Um, you know, I see a lot of people want to get hired out of college. They want to, they want an office. Uh, they want, you know, that, that cushy desk job. But it is nothing, and you 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 will not be as good as you could be if you don't have that field experience. And you know, I was in the field for lots of large projects, worked under some amazing site managers and superintendents, learned a tremendous amount, and just was a sponge. Just look, tried to learn as much as I possibly could from um, guys that had driver's license for their control system for the Mars rover. I mean, guys that developed you know, launch pad, uh, NASA guidance systems was out there building, you know, manufacturing plants with me. And, you know, I just find those people that, um, that want to, that want to teach and can be mentors, you know, nine times out of 10 or probably 99 times out of a hundred, um, every salty field guy that's out there that knows what he's doing. If you ask them their opinion or their a question on anything, they are more than happy to tell you. They will talk your ear off to tell you what they know. <laughs> if you can take in half of it, you're going to be so much better off for that. Um, so I would say field experience, you know, just learn how to build. You know, so many times people want to be in the office and they want to be in charge of the money and they want to move up. But if you don't know how to build in the construction industry, you're, you're, you're toast. And I think that I think it starts in the field. And if you can understand that and the struggles that happen day to day in the field, when everything's, you know, hitting all at once, uh, what that superintendent really truly needs and, and when and why, if you understand that part of it, you'll be so successful in the future. Um, the other part towards like becoming like an executive, I, I kind of laughed when I read the question. I was like, I don't, am I an executive? I guess that's where I am. I don't know. How did I get here? Um, but I think what it is, is it was um, take the risk. You know, I've had some moments in my career that uh, were very uh, challenging decisions for me personally, whether it was moving from one city to another, changing companies. Um, I don't want to be somebody that jumps companies a bunch, and I, I don't think I have been. Um, but when the risks come up for you to excel or grow or 
you know, spread your wings a little bit further, uh, take it. You know, nobody reached their goals of whatever it is they wanted to become by just maintaining and doing the status quo. You've got to get uncomfortable and, and be okay with that uncomfortability and talk about it. You know, don't bottle it up because then you, you'll never sleep and you'll probably resort to uh, whatever kind of things you can to de-stress. But uh, get uncomfortable. Take the risk. Uh, go for it. Um, I've done it. It's, uh, it hasn't been easy, but it's been worth it. Well, and you know, the, 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 I, I told every student that graduated EKU is fear is the one thing that'll hold you back in your career, your fear of change, your fear, your fear of doing something out of the norm. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's tough and it's not easy, but change is inevitable, you know, and either you, either you create that change or you're on the road with the change, you know, but fear, that's that's one thing that is uh, never been really my problem, but I have uh, to be to be fair here. You, you have a risk taker? Oh, come on now! I know, I know. I'm a little bit of a risk taker. Anybody who knows me and understands why I have tattoos down my arm understands that you know that I'm a risk taker. You don't you don't take a risk with a uh, five gallons of gas and a lighter, you know, like I did. But uh, but but. Uh, all right, so let's move to the speed round real quick. And uh, so I'm going to ask you questions, and these questions I want you to rate from 1 to 10, 10 being the least important. I mean, 10 being the most important, 1 being the least important, and uh, and they can all be 10s, you know? So it's okay. uh, it's up to you. So I don't want to hold you back there to be able to – and you can explain your answer, obviously, if you want to. So we'll start off with scheduling. Uh, one to ten, I would say seven. Is there any reason you wouldn't uh, rate it higher than that? Uh, you know, I, I think it's because uh, that's my that's my heart there, brother. You're tore my heart out. I know it is. The reason I gave it a seven is it you you, you can't get by without it. Um, mm-hmm. definitely. There's different levels of scheduling. You can have uh too much and you can have too little uh you can get yourself in trouble on both sides um i think i think good constructors uh internally understand their schedule but from a uh documentation legal standpoint um i think that that probably i'm probably gonna talk myself up higher from the seven but i think that's probably a good spot i'll leave it there Estimating. Now you do pre-con, so and business development, so this one is going to be high. I, I'm gonna save my ten. For, I want to make sure I save my ten. I'm gonna give this one a nine. Okay. I'm gonna give this a nine. Maybe I'm like a pizza review, like a nine point five. It's um, if you if you uh, if you don't start a project with the right foundation, which is estimating, um, you are you are in trouble for a long time and that's crazy when we hard bid things and says hey i need a bid back in two weeks for a 20 million dollar job and you're scrambling just to figure out what's in the job and you got to piece that thing together so if you don't have the right estimate the right estimating team um, to put the foundation in place for you to actually successfully go build that project that's a tough spot to be in contract administration Hmm. Gonna go back to the Wayne Reynolds day where you know, <laughs> class. He- <laughs> I uh, I spent many of phone calls with our uh, in-house attorneys, our CFOs, and uh, going over contracts, and and I will give that a uh, it's got to be a nine, and and uh, I, I I'm still holding on to my ten. I'm holding on to my ten. I don't want to give it up yet. <laughs> the uh, the that, that is one of the um, most overlooked uh, pre-construction things that I think I do um, on a day-to-day basis. You know, getting the bid, going out and doing business development, you know, finding the work, all of that's great. But if you don't set yourself up for the right terms um, and that way you can, you know, actually execute, that, that's tough. That's tough. Design. Oh, 
I got to put my design build hat on now. So if I was a hard bid, it'd be different. If I was design build, it's a whole nother realm. Uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a uh, eight and a half. I think that. Um, I think the design is. You know, again, depends on what world you're coming from. Is we hard bid and we do our own in-house design build. So uh, the design build obviously is probably a, a 9.9 because we are dictating our bid drawings. We are dictating what uh, our client is handing us on a napkin sketch and trying to put that on paper. Uh, we're 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 the artist that gets to uh, draw and paint somebody else's vision. So you know, it is it is very critical to have somebody that can do that well and interpretate what uh, you know somebody's vision is that doesn't know how to build. They know how to run their business well, but they don't know how to build. That's why they hired us. Uh, it's extremely important. And then also, if you don't have a, a good design in a hard bid situation, it makes the execution part extremely difficult. And then you got to rely on that contract administration. <laughs> what about uh, just contract? Talking about the paper contracts we deal with. Oh, well, you're talking about owner contracts, subcontracts, um, all of the above, all of the above. I, I kind of go back to what I, my number on the, on the contract administration, I think it goes hand in hand. I mean, it's, uh, it dictates, you know, it's the rules in which you have to play by. And, and if you don't have those clearly set with your, uh, owner and you don't have those clearly set with your vendor partners, you're, you're in trouble. You're in, you're in big trouble. And I think that, uh, um, you know, they've got to be mutual, mutually beneficial. You know, you can't be one sided. So you got to find that middle ground, uh, you know, with your owners and your vendors. And that's, uh, can be a, a, a tough process sometimes. Um, so I think I gave that like a nine five as well, something like that. And that Accounting. is, that is the rules you got to play by Accounting. Yeah. One for accounting, none of us will actually be here. So, um, <laughs> even though they're weird, sorry, anybody who's, uh, you know, they're, they're wired, they're wired differently. You know, they're wired differently. Um, you know, I'd give it a nine. I think that it's, um, you know, one of our best PMs here now actually is not a construction management major. He's an accountant, uh, got into construction through his family business and, um, liked that a whole lot better, but he, has the best financials of one of our, pro of all of our projects on some of them. But and, he's probably weird. Yeah. You know, they're all a little odd. You know, I got family. <laughs> they stand in the corner in the family gatherings, but they, uh, no, I think if, um, you know, as much that comes in and this kind of goes back, it kind of, it goes back in the contract administration, you know, protecting yourself from making sure you've got your, your lien waivers in place. You've got your vendors that are, um, being paid on time, keeping people um, up to date on their billings. You know, a lot of it is, uh, and my biggest struggle, and I try and preach this to a lot of our clients is, you know, I may bill you at the end of the month for all of all the stuff I did in the month of August, and you're not going to pay me to the end of the next month. By the time I cut a check to the vendor, they've they financed three months worth of materials and labor and everything else, and um, I think if you can have a timely, organized, um, and, and very procedural accounting department, it goes a long, long way because those vendors that are out there, you know, it's hard to buy, you know, if you, you talk about the guys early on site, you know, site work guys buying all the, you know, underground piping or dirt or raw materials, whatever it is that's going in real time, you know, it, the suppliers, they don't care. They're paid when it's delivered. And so they got to finance the job. And if you can minimize that, you're going to get a better product at the end of the day. You're going to get better buy-in from your vendor partners, which is what we all want as contractors. And, and then you have a happy client. So, What about selling work? This one's going to be high for you. You know, uh, I think the work sells itself. At the end of the day, you know, your product is your, that is what you hang your hat on. Um, you know, I, I, uh, 50% of my focus is sales and business development and, and clients. And, you know, it, when we're doing really well in the field, I would say that's, it makes that so much easier. So I'm going to give that, uh, I'll put it a 6.5 right below scheduling. So scheduling is not the bottom of the 
Just, just oh, for my you. God. Just <laughs> hey, for you. I, that actually surprises me a lot. But you know, you give a, you made a very valid point there. And last but not least, and if you don't get this a ten, I don't know what's wrong with you. Leadership. That's what I was saving my ten for. Okay. That's it. That's it. The leadership. Why do you say, is, why do you say a ten? You know, if you don't have good leadership, and it's not, I don't just mean the owner of your company. You know, if you don't have good leadership on your project teams, if you don't have good leadership on your sites, if you don't have good leadership in uh, a bid review, uh, and any, any team that is involved in any part of it, accounting, business development, any of those um, items you're talking about, if you don't have good leadership there, and somebody that uh, uh, can, whether it's, you know, lead the team into battle or mentor somebody that needs to be uh, mentored and not, you know, and doing it the correct way. Um, it goes so far, you know, a superintendent, their leadership is so vital to the success of, a, success of a job. I mean, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of. He came in and I had a superintendent that came in with a mini Louisville Slugger bat. And he ran his meetings with a little slugger, mini bat would beat it on the table and just raid his vendor partners and subcontractors and the foremans. I'm like, well, no wonder they don't want to work for you. And that superintendent was ultimately removed from that project. And, you know, his leadership on site was, was poor. You know, he's trying to do it by intimidation almost. And, and I think that, that, that goes for, you know, the CEO, president of the company, it goes for the CEO and president of that job site meeting. Whoever's running it, they're the CEO and president of that of that team. Um, you know, the project manager when they're doing their uh, weekly OAC calls and making sure they're leading their team there. Um, and you know, your lead estimator. You know, they got a team of estimators and project managers helping them out put a bid together, making sure they know who's doing what, who's on first, and um, you know. We're general contractors, you know, we don't actually do anything. So if you don't have the right leadership uh, and managing your teams properly, they, you, you won't you won't succeed. So that, that's gotta be a 10. Well, I wanna thank you uh, uh, for meeting with me today, Justin. I mean, I shouldn't thank you that much. I mean, I've done you more favors <laughs> than you've done me. No, I'm just joking. So uh, the, I'll take the, that. <laughs> I'm, working my way, I'm working my way back up. Yeah, you are, you are, you are. But uh, but I, I, I just want to thank you, Justin, and I, I do want to say, uh, you know, um, uh, as an EKU, former EKU professor, uh, we're proud to have people like you out there in uh, uh, working uh, under our umbrella because, you know, you bring great, great credit upon the institution, you know, not just the EKU, but uh, EKU's construction management. So you should commend yourself there. And uh, uh, I've heard a lot of good things about you over the years. You're one of my very, very first students, and uh, uh, you, you know, you challenged me to get better, and I do appreciate that. Whether you knew you challenged me or not, you did challenge me to get better, and uh, and it definitely helped me. Um, well, and I do, and I want to say about Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo has become kind of near and dear to my heart, you know, because we have a lot of similarities the way we do business between each other, and uh, I love Scott. I love Brett. You know. Uh, Eric's to, to be desirable. No, I'm just joking, Eric. But, uh, <laughs> the, but the, the, you know, you got a good, good group of people all the way till um, uh, when you walk in the door and the way that you're greeted there. I mean, Buffalo just there's just there's something special there. There really is, and uh, I, I just want to commend uh, Scott and Brett and them for kind of you know leading that organization that way. So I want to give you a chance to say whatever you want to want to say. You have the last word. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I appreciate the, uh, the con words, the opportunity to chat about our industry. You know, it's, uh, I remember, uh, when you first started at EKU, I think I designed a, a little house or a four by, it was like a four walled building with the, some, I can't remember what it is. You had me do it for, for extra credit or whatever. And, uh, you know, ever since that, I think I needed the extra credit to be honest with you is why I did it. But, <laughs> Likewise, you, you've pushed me to, uh, to be better, to want more. You know, I, I tell this to a lot of people that want to get into construction management. 
Um, you know, I went into EKU's program thinking I'd just do this and go back home and build houses. You know, you taught me that, you know, you can take that, that foundation, you can go build anything. There's the sky's the limit. You know, you, you, you told me to go to Dubai, you know, why not go do it, go build a skyscraper in Dubai. And I applied for those jobs. You know, I tried to do that. Um, I ended up building manufacturing plants that are state of the art for some of the biggest manufacturers in the world. Um, and now I'm building, um, you know, for some of the biggest brands in the world right now and uh, just in, in repeat clients, you know, so uh, I thank you. Um, you've given, you've helped me all along the way and you've always been a sounding board to me. And I, I uh, uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Well, that's what it's about. It's about those relationships. And I, I just, once again, I want to thank you. I want to thank Buffalo and I want to thank you for, for giving an hour of your time today. Um, and uh, last but not least, join us next week for another uh, Connex podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Scott.